Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Core Church. My name is Eric, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I am really excited to be speaking this morning. We are currently in a message series called The Everyday Church, and what we're talking about is how we're moving from the Sunday church to the everyday church, and our word for this year is the word engage. So wherever you are this morning, whether you're gathered with a group of people in your neighborhood gathering or you're just sitting next, sitting with yourself, what I want you to think to yourself or say to somebody next to you is, turn to them and say, or think to yourself, it's time to engage. And what we've been doing is we've been talking about this question, how do we move from passive observers to passionate followers? And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what we call here at Core Church, the eight core practices. And so far, we've talked about daily devotions. We talked about how important it is for us to cultivate the soil of our soul. We talked about sacrificial serving. Intersections are not inconveniences, they're an opportunity. We talked about continual surrender. Giving up my way requires continual surrender to God's way. We talked about sharing Christ. What does that look like for us to share Christ? God's purpose and plan is you. You are one of the few. And last week, Pastor Brad talked about persistent prayer. God is calling us not to give up, but to get up and pray. Living out these practices is what helps move us from a passive observer to a passionate follower. And today we're going to talk about what it means for us to engage with one another. What does it mean for us to engage with one another? We're going to talk about that as we talk about the core practice of godly friendships. And so if you're new to to the Bible or if you're new to church, we're gonna be in the Gospel of Matthew, which is the first of four Gospels that were written accounts of the life and the ministry of Jesus. And And the Gospel of Matthew is the first of four in the New Testament. And just to give you some context of where we're at, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 10. And this is right as Jesus has called his disciples together. He's called them together to encourage them, to equip them, to build them up, and to send them out, specifically with instructions to go and to tell people that the kingdom of heaven is near. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It says this, Jesus called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Today, we're going to talk about what it looks like for us to call people together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the chance that we have to gather here. And I ask your blessing on this time. And and I pray that our hearts are open to receive from you this morning. And I want to say only what you want me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, right now, our core groups are finishing up a course that is called Core Purpose. And it's a course that is designed to better focus us on what it is that we are on this planet to do. And we talk about several things in this course. We talk about our spiritual gifts. What are the spiritual gifts that we have that God has given us to better help and encourage the people of God? We talk about our abilities. What are things that we, that we just enjoy doing? What are the things that we're kind of interested in? What are things that we do that we just completely lose all track of time by doing? And how can we do more of that? We talk about our experiences. What have we experienced in our past when it comes to our childhood, when it comes to uh, being a teenager, now as an adult? How have those sh- things that we have experienced in the past shaped our present? 
And we also talk about our personalities. And I got to tell you, it's been really fun to learn even more and more about my personality. And I am a campaigner. So what that means is that I am 63% more extroverted than other personalities. Now, while I do have uh, some of the personality of an introvert, I do, there's, 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 a bit of a percentage there, but I am just more extroverted by nature. And what that means is that means that I would most likely choose being with other people than choosing to be alone. So where are my extroverts at? I don't even have to ask you to raise your hands. You know who you are. Where are my introverts at? There's probably not going to be as many of you raising your hands, and that's okay. That's that's why we love you. And maybe there's some of you that are like, I'm an ambervert. If you don't know what that means, it's like a, a middle-of-the-road balance of an extrovert and an introvert is an ambervert. Maybe that's a, a new term for you today. So here's what I have learned about my personality over the last couple of weeks. I've learned just how much I love being around people. And I learned just how much I love being around people this last year when my longing and my desire to be around other people was drastically changed because of the pandemic. I realized just how much of my weekly rhythm, my weekly life just in general involves a lot of people. And that was when that was changed and reduced primarily to a bunch of screens, I got to be honest, I really struggled. And some of you are thinking, when my social circle was cut off and when my social event schedule was cut off for me, that was like the best thing that ever happened to me. But for me, I would get in my car to drive around my neighborhood to simply say hello to other people. Like just to see their faces was enough for me. One particular time as I was going around on my hello adventures is what I came to call them. What I would do is I would drive around with my windows down and I would just smile and I would simply wave at people and say hello. That was it. And everybody responded. Like there was this unspoken feeling that everybody needed this, or so I thought. One particular time when I was driving around the neighborhood, this family was all huddled up in their uh, motorized vehicle. I won't say exactly what kind because they might be watching on they might be watching online. But so they're driving through the neighborhood. I'm driving through the neighborhood. We made eye contact. Like there was no denying the eye contact that we had. And so what did I do? I'm on a hello adventure. So I simply smiled. It's kind of like this. I didn't even show my teeth. So it was just kind of like a And then I waved and I simply said, hello. And as they're driving by, I'm driving by, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and nothing, nothing came. Like there was no hello, there was no smile. And they're still looking at me like I'm the one that's crazy. And I got to be honest, this was a, a, a low point for me and I snapped. And some of you that know me really well, you're going to go, yeah, I can see that. And some of you are going to be like, what? I can't believe that. But I snapped. It was a low point, And this is what I did. I remember leaning forward in my car. I kind of slammed on the brakes and I was like, yoo-hoo, yoo-hoo, hello. You're not going to get COVID by waving or saying hello. It takes three seconds. Like, come on. Everybody needs this. I'm on a hello adventure. Even as an extrovert, that was not a proud moment for me. And I'll be honest, and I'll be the first one to say, that was not the best way to engage or to respond to that family. And while we all respond to different situations differently, some of you are thinking when it comes to that situation, I wouldn't have even been out in my car saying hello. Like I would have been perfectly fine in my house, in my room with the door closed by myself in the dark. 
while we all respond to different situations differently because of our personalities, we've all been hardwired with the same desire. Every single one of us, regardless of the personality that we think that we have or the ones that we have just by nature, we've all been hardwired with the same desire. Whether you're an extrovert, whether you're an introvert, whether you're an ambervert, we have all been hardwired for the desire of relationships. Like, think about this. God has crafted, designed, and created us to be in relationships. Relationships with God and relationships with other people. In Genesis 2, which is the first book of the Bible, we see how God said that it is not good for man to be alone. So what did God do? God created animals and brought those animals to be with Adam, but then realized that wasn't a good fit. So then God created Eve and brought Adam and Eve together. From the beginning, we have been created to not do life alone. But we can think, even in subtle ways, we can think, I've got this, like people are busy. I don't wanna be a pain. I don't wanna be a burden. I don't wanna be a bother. And instead of inviting people in, instead of asking for help, instead of doing life with other people, here's what we do. We isolate. We draw back. We cut off. Regardless of what's going on in the world, like the pandemic aside, this is how we can be tempted to respond. And the problem that we're seeing right now, globally, is that the feelings of loneliness, of depression, and of isolation are at an all-time high. Regardless of the person's background or personality, those are the statistics that we are seeing right now across our planet. People are lonely. People are isolated. And we've learned that while we all interact with people differently, we all know that we need people in our lives. Why do we know that? Because it is our God-given human nature for us to long to be something, long to be part of something that is bigger than ourselves. But if we don't invite people in, if we don't live life with other people, we're gonna end up isolated, we're gonna end up cut off, and we're gonna end up completely miserable. And I don't have to go out on a limb here to say that I don't think any of us would desire for that to be the story that we tell in that kind of life that we live. So how do we do this? What do we do? How do we not have that be our story? And maybe the issue that, that we're having isn't that we're intentionally isolating ourselves or intentionally cutting ourselves off. Maybe, maybe it is that we don't even know how to find these godly friendships. So where do we begin? How do we do this? Where do we look? What does it even look like for us to call people together and not just call them together, but call them together to do life with them in a way that leaves us encouraged, in a way that leaves us built up, in a way that reminds us of the, of the, the love and the joy of what living a full life looks like. That's the kind of life that I wanna live. So how do we go about doing just that? Otherwise, we're not going to be living the life that God has created us to live. So how do we live that kind of life? Let's look back at the gospel of Matthew. In Matthew 10, verse 1, again, it says this. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. What do we see in this scripture? We see that Jesus called them together. 
And again, this is right when he calls them together to send them out and tells them to go and to tell people that the kingdom of heaven is near. And just before this, Jesus is talking to them, reminding them that the harvest is ready, that people's souls are ready to hear about the truth of God. The harvest is ready, and Jesus tells them that the laborers are few. And he tells them that they are the few. By telling them to go, he's saying, you are the few. And as a follower of Jesus, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you are the few. There's been a transition of authority from Jesus to his followers. And sometimes we can have a problem with that word authority because we've seen how those in authority have abused that authority. That's a real thing. But as followers of Jesus, God has given us authority and he's given us influence to bring about change in the lives of other people and to bring about change in the world. And think of it this way. You have permission and power to act and to influence. You might need to write that down. You have permission and power to act and to influence. And something that we've got to remember is that authority can sometimes be abused when people are flying solo. And this is no surprise, when we hear about the moral failing of a public person, when did that usually begin? It usually began in isolation, by being removed by being cut off, by flying solo. This is specifically why we see that Jesus had 12. And this is why Jesus calls them together because Jesus knows that life is better when people are brought together. Life is better when people are brought together. Jesus gave them power and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to bring healing to people. One thing that we've got to do is just simply look around. Like if you don't think that there's evil in this world, your eyes are not open. Like think about the evil that we've seen in our world this last week with that horrific shooting. There is evil in this world and we have been given the power and we have been given the authority to deal with it and to bring about change. Change that is so desperately needed in our world. And change that can only happen by bringing people together. When we look at the next few verses here, it's, it's a lot of names. And when it comes to scripture, anytime there's a reference uh, in scripture of names, of dates, of information, of measurements, we can think that it is just useless information like a printed instruction guide that comes with a product that you've purchased. We can think that, I don't need that. Nobody reads that. It's just useless information. And we can be tempted to just kind of blow by it. But the fact that the, that the names of these disciples are written for us to read here is really important because prior to this event, when Jesus first called these men to follow him, he spent time in prayer. Later on in Luke's gospel, Luke records how Jesus prayed all night to God and then called all of his followers together the following morning and then chose his twelve. And one thing that we see in that is how Jesus was intentional to make sure that who he surrounded himself with was diverse. Because again, Jesus knew that there's power in diversity. 
And I've got to be honest, like, just let me tell you, as a group's pastor, I would probably not put this group of people together because you have high public officials, you have zealots, you have shifty investors, which one of them betrays him, kind of a spoiler alert there. You have tax collectors. Like, this is a really interesting, diverse mix that Jesus makes the decision to bring together. And, and to put it in kind of, a, 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 kind of an analogy that we would understand today, this is like a Trump supporter and a Biden supporter sharing a Mini Cooper that is full of electric eels going on a road trip from California to Florida. Like, just think about that for a second. It's bound to be awkward. Not just because of the, the eels that are in there, but because that's an interesting mix. But think about it. Like, how would that work with the eels? Would there be water? Would they be wearing oxygen masks? But then that would be weird because they'd probably look like time travelers from the movie Tenet. If you haven't seen that, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And if you've seen it, you probably still have no idea what I'm talking about. But anyways, we're getting off track here. This is who, as we look back, this is who Jesus decides to call together because he knew that life is better when people are brought together. And he knew that this group was going to bring about change. And I'm telling you, what they were able to do was incredible. But how are they able to do those things? How are they able to persevere? How are they able to engage? How are they able to bring about change? Because of the relationships that they formed the adventures that they were able to experience together, the miracles that they were able to witness, to participate in, to be a part of. And the fact that we're still reading about them today is pretty incredible. Jesus knew that who you surround yourself with is really important. Later on in the Gospel of Mark, there's a story that is recorded where four men bring a paralyzed man to Jesus to be healed, and they can't get to where he is because of the crowd of people that have gathered at this location. So what do they do? They rip a hole in the roof to bring this man to Jesus. And when Jesus sees the faith of the men who bring this paralyzed man to Jesus to be healed, that's when Jesus says that his sins are forgiven. And if you're not tracking with me, Jesus heals a paralyzed man because of the faith of his friends. And we can think that who we surround ourselves with doesn't matter. It matters. It's actually really important. We need godly friendships. We need those kind of friendships, and we need to be that kind of friend. And I realize that listening to this all sounds great in a sermon. But let's get practical. How do we... How do we do this? How do we walk this out? How can we be that friend? And how can we find those friends? I really believe that it's in our core groups. And if you've ever wondered, like, why do we do core groups? If you've ever wondered that, if you've ever wondered why we want every single person in a core group, if you've ever wondered why we spend so much time in the fall and in the new year talking about core groups, it's because we want every single person in a core group. Why? Because we believe that we grow best in our relationship with God by being in relationship with God's people. And we want that for every single person. Because groups are where those godly friendships are formed and groups are where those godly friendships are forged. Because just like the 12 that we see here that's listed, the 12 that follow Jesus, the things that they were able to experience, the things that they were able to celebrate, the ways that they were able to support one another, to carry each other, 
the adventures that they experience, the pain that they experience, the heartache, the struggles, the, the laughter, just simply the joy of life, they experience that together. And that's what we experience in our core groups. Here's what happens in our core groups. We gather together and we eat together. What it simply is, is friendship. Like we hang out as friends. We talk about the message from Sunday. We talk about how it's impacted our life and what we're gonna do with it over this next week. The kids that gather at some of our core groups, they spend time with the other kids in these core groups. And here's, here's why this is so important. And here, here's why we, we make whatever environment happen that we can, because I grew up going to my parents' core group. And I grew up spending time and hanging out with the kids that were in that core group. Like we literally grew up together. That's what taught me the importance of doing life with other people and bringing, bringing people together. That's how I learned. And sometimes we can disconnect because we can think that kids aren't taking in the depth of the spiritual conversation. And to be honest, that's probably true. I, I, I probably didn't take in as much of the spiritual conversation as I could have. But the fact that my, my parents just simply showed up, what that taught me was really powerful. And what we teach our kids when we don't show up is really powerful too. We talk about ways that we've been challenged. And, and the way that this looks is, we, we call it win, witness, word. Win. How did you serve someone this week? From the simple to the sacrificial. Witness, how did you share Christ? Did you pray for someone? Did you encourage someone? Did you do good for someone? The word. What did you read from scripture this week that stood out to you, that impacted you? What have you been reading throughout the week that has really made a difference in your life. And this is something that is brand spanking new for our groups. I mean, like fresh off the factory line. This is really fresh and new for our groups. And I was talking to one of our group leaders who did this for the first time with their group this last week. And he talked about how not only did it bring up great discussion, but it brought incredible accountability. And he, he was able to, to really hear the story and the struggles of the people in their group. Again, this is where those relationships are formed and this is where those relationships are forged because we all need people to hear our story. We need to hear other people's story. We need to do life together. And what this group leader was able to do by hearing the story, by hearing the struggles, is he was able to remind them that they were right there with him. So if you've ever wondered, why do we gather together? Why do we prioritize so much of the calendar year with core groups? Why do we want to remind anyone and everyone that life really is better when people are brought together? It's because we want to change the world. We want to use the power and the authority that we have been given by God as followers of Jesus to bring about change. And I'm telling you, if Jesus needed people, we need people. Jesus, the son of God, God in the flesh, if he needed people, we need to follow his example. I know that I need people in my life. I know that, that my group is, is everything to me. 
and we got to push aside our personality, right? Regardless of our personality types, we all know that we need people in our lives. Like for me, my group is everything. I'm able to talk about life. I'm able to do life with these other people. I'm able to talk about my love of music. I'm able to talk about my failures as a dad. Like just this week, my, my group's gonna gather and tonight I'm, I have two stories at least when I, I just completely failed as, as a dad, when I completely failed as a husband this last week. And I'm gonna have other guys in my group that are gonna go, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. The power of life together. When I'm able to talk about the hard things that I experience in my life, the hard things that I experience that I don't understand, the hard things that I, that I just don't have answers for. And sometimes there's not a response that's given in those conversations. There's just the power of being together, right? A lot of times life is just the power of presence. It's just being with somebody else, not saying anything, but just being present. And, and so now the questions that we're asking are, who can we invite? Who can we bring in? Who can we call together? Because this is the key to becoming the everyday church. This is what's gonna help move us from being a passive observer to a passionate follower. Everything is going to happen and to change and to build out from this. Like this is the linchpin. This is how we move from passive to passionate. And we've got to remember, we are the few. We are the plan. Like there's no plan B. There's no one else coming. The harvest is ready and we are the ones that get to make it happen. Life is better when people are brought together.